stuff exploded. Hey everybody, good to see you. Hey, how you doing? Good. Good. Awesome. It's great to be with you. I love being here in Frederick. I try to be here more than I am. I haven't quite worked out the omnipresence part of it. <laughs> trying it, trying it out, trying. <laughs> hey, you encourage us so much. Just you coming out, just you uh, loving the Lord, walking in faith, and. Just thank you, thank God for you, and we've got a great, a great month ahead of us. Uh, really, um, just we heard today in these announcements, and just, just plug in, just uh, jump in, dive in, uh, don't hold back. God's got a great summer for you, Amen. If you give God your summer, you're going to have an amazing summer, right? Amen. Awesome. Well, I'm going to share just a couple words with you today, and. Um, and I don't want you to be uh, surprised at the simplicity of what I'm going to say today, just for a few minutes, as we prepare for Pastor Dennis. But I think it's a real secret. The Lord's been ministering this to me. So um, let's pray. Lord, thank you. I come back to you as the source of everything. And we're waiting on you. We're worshiping you. And uh, you're speaking to us. You're a talking God. You speak to your people. So do that today. Bless Calvin and Morgan as they're going to get married tonight. Bless them. It's an amazing uh, event. And just pour out your spirit on them as well and each one here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I want us just to look for a few minutes in Isaiah chapter 40. And I want to talk about waiting on God for a few minutes and just to encourage our hearts that nobody has the gift of waiting. Okay, so don't stress out over what I'm going to say, okay? <laughs> exactly, see? We're all impatient, right? We're at the stoplight and uh, just uh, gunning our engine or just losing our mind over details of life. But really, there's power in waiting on God. And it's something that doesn't come easy to us. It's actually something that needs to be developed. And... I was thinking about this word in the book of Psalms called Selah. Anybody ever notice that word, Selah? Anybody? Yeah. All right, Selah, S-E-L-A-H. And it says, uh, as the, the psalmist is writing, and he speaks a profound, a profound statement about God, there's that little, uh, you know, little space that says Selah. And it is so important in our life to have those that season of Selah, where we are waiting on the Lord, thinking about the Lord, and just resting in the Lord. And guess what happens when we do that? We actually live in the meaning of our faith. Now, what's naturally possible and very easy to do is we think that the accumulation of knowledge equals power. But actually, that's not true, right? The more knowledge we have, it, of course, we can have experience and, and these kind of things where we can have a lot more skills. But in the Christian life, waiting on God teaches us how to walk with God, right? And to live in the meaning of our faith. So if I said to you a word, let's say I say the word grace to you. 
five times, 10 times, 20 times. We're all gonna have our own definition, right? If I said, if I said grace, and there'll be something in your heart that you've accumulated and thought about, and it's a nice, neat definition. But, but if we wait on God in the, in the word grace, then what happens? The Lord begins to bring in a selah. He begins to bring in the meaning of the word and person of grace. So I, I want to think about that because our world is upside down, isn't it? The world is on fire, right? And if we're not waiting on God, then we won't know how to walk in these uh, tumultuous days. So I want you to kind of throw out your idea of waiting on God today in your own mind. And I want you to think about, I want the Holy Spirit to minister to you just in a very brief but personal way. What does it mean to have a personal Selah? What does it mean to be still and know that He is God? Aren't you glad He is God today? Amen. He is God. I'm not God. None of us are God. Like, He is in control. So we can wake up in the morning and say, Selah, right? We can wake up in the morning. I love it. Amen, right? Amen. So look at Isaiah chapter 40. And I promise this won't be a long message. Because uh, we want to hear what Pastor Dennis has to say. So Isaiah chapter 40. Notice this. And this is a familiar verse, but... But in the Selah, in the personal moment where you and I meet God, what happens? He begins to minister strength, minister power, minister meaning. You ever have someone tell you they love you, and then they show it to you? And then all of a sudden it's no longer words, but now it's, it's something real life, it's actual, right? Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. It's easy to say I love you, right? I love you, I love you. But God demonstrated his love by coming to a cross, amen? And demonstrating it while we were enemies of God. Let's have a Selah moment for a minute. Think about that. Just pause for a minute. Just take a pause. You know, hit the brakes. You know, just hit the brakes and think about that. This is where the meaning of our faith, the power of our faith, the action of our faith becomes personal, right? Have you not known, verse 28, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the earth, of the heavens of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? Selah, isn't that good? Like God is not tired of you and I today. I'm tired of me, right? Or we could be tired of people, but God is saying, I never get tired. I'm actually excited to see you, hear from you, as you wait on me. That's why we love dogs so much, isn't it? The dog is always happy to see us, right? Anybody have dogs? Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Think about that. He is, his understanding is unsearchable. That's amazing, huh? He understands you. Isn't that great? Say love. Lord, you're the only person, or we could say the only one that really understands us. Thank you, God, for that. He gives power to the weak and to those that have no might. He increased strength. You see what happens? We slow it down and we're just like, okay, Lord, teach me. Teach me what this means because I don't want my little brain to define something that is so, so amazing. And God personally begins to speak to you, right? 
So waiting leads to walking, right? And then that walking leads to being led. This is why we're here today, right? We're learning how to hear and be loved by God, right? Is that why you're here today? That's why we're here. Because none of us have the gift of waiting. We want things yesterday. We put stuff in the microwave, right? Because we want it now, right? We want magnetic food, you know? Okay. So notice this. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Boy, how many live in verse 29? I, I think of that verse a lot. Like, Lord, I have nothing. God says, just wait on me. Worship me while you wait. Just worship me. Just think about me. Stop thinking about yourself and think about me. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Like, Lord, this is a deficit. This is not. God says, turn it around. Look, think about me. And what happens? Our waiting, our Selah turns into power, turns into might. And then this is the beautiful verse, right? Even the youth shall faint. And be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those that wait, wait on the Lord, right? Not waiting for things to change, not waiting for gas prices to go down, not waiting for my boss to give me a raise, not waiting for um, my spouse to be everything I want them to be. No, no, waiting on the Lord. Isn't that great? Yeah. All the wives just kicked their husbands. I saw that. <laughs> I'm still waiting. <laughs> I'm still waiting. <laughs> Selah. We could wake up in the morning, look at our spouse and say, Selah. Let me talk to you. It's like, it's Selah B. <laughs> Maybe not that. <laughs> All right. So good. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Okay. Uh, last verse here, Isaiah 66. Selah moments. Selah moments. You know, yeah, Isaiah 66, actually. Isaiah 66, verse 1 and 2. This, this takes practice, doesn't it? Because none of us, I don't know about you, I, I cannot sit still for more than five seconds, right? But it's like, Lord, I want to think about you, tie into you, and have you renew me. Have you pour into me everything I need for my day, everything I need for the for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's like Selah. God, I want to think and ponder and pause and, and be captivated like we just sang today with you. And this is such an interesting verse, these verses here, 66.1. And to God, you know, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? Where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and by all these things they do exist. Like God is saying, everything you see, I have created. But I love this next statement, but on this one will I look. Like he's not even impressed with his own creation, right? He's looking for one person, right, that's living in the Selah moments. He's saying here, for those, uh, but one thing will I look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. Isn't that good? That's another word for wait, right? To tremble. Now, I'm not talking about fright or anything of that nature, but I'm, I'm talking about in, a, in an attitude of worship, in an attitude of like, here I am. There's no frills. It's like wake up, wake up in the morning, you're in your pajamas, your hair is praising the Lord. 
and you're grabbing the coffee, you got the java there, and you're like, here I am. And then it's like, okay, Lord, I want to think about you. I want to just think about, and what God, God is saying, I am looking for you. I'm looking for someone like that. And then what happens? He pours it on, and we are prepared to walk with him every in, in this new day. Amen? New days. Waiting precipitates uh, walking, and then walking precipitates being led. Amen? Amen? Selah? Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, today for your people. Thank you, God, for this church, how you love us, God. Just make us, uh, help us to discover the meaning of that in a personal way these days. And uh, we just don't want to do it out of routine. We just want to meet you, Lord, in the moments. And uh, thank you, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, wasn't that a good word? Yeah, I mean, we need to hear that, don't we? Yeah, I mean, we get so busy. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Sam, you're coming from Korea, right? Is Korea busy? Yeah. Yeah, speed matters. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, it's funny because, you know, being American, everything is so fast. And when we were living in China, it was so funny because you go grocery shopping and you like have to walk to the wet market <laughs> and it takes like 20 minutes to walk to the wet market and then you're there and you're shopping and before you know it, it's like your whole day is gone just to get groceries. Mm-hmm. And you're like angry because you feel like you didn't get anything done. Like, has anybody felt angry because you didn't get anything done? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm the kind of guy that wakes up, you know, in the morning at like... You know, early, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And if I get something done quick, I feel good. Then I can sit down. And sometimes God has us be in a place where we're not producing anything. It's a hard place to be in because it's in, when we're not being, you know, when we're not producing, we realize how weak we really are. And we have to rely on God. And um, if you're in that place today... I mean, what a great message, right? That God could renew us, that God could give us strength, God could put us in a place. So, amen. We love Pastor Jason, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Let's hear a little louder so he knows. <laughs> no, I mean, we're here uh, in this building uh, really because of a vision that uh, Pastor Schaller, Pastor in Baltimore, and Pastor Jason had. You know, Pastor Jason walked into Pastor Schaller's office in Baltimore, and there was a big circle around Frederick. And Pastor Jason was like, what is that? <laughs> and he said, I'm going to go there. And they started coming uh, in soul winning. You know, David Cross was here in the beginning. Um... You know, Grace isn't feeling well, but she was she was here. Um, Les Douglas, Adam, you know, it was just it was really amazing, and it's amazing to see what God is doing. We're coming up on, you know, celebrating one year of being here in this building in Frederick, and we're just so happy in what God is doing. And um, and you know what? Like uh, I, I'm a doer. You know, I, I you know I work hard. But it's good to think, like, you know, let our ministry be known as one that rests on the Spirit of God. 
Amen. So let's turn our Bibles uh, to Hosea chapter 14. Uh, we were there last week, so we're going to kind of continue the thought. Uh, I, you know, we've been thinking a little bit about uh, having spiritual sight. And, and uh, don't you think in the day and age we live in, it is important to have God's perspective on things? Like, uh, I know myself, I need spiritual glasses uh, because I need to understand how God thinks about things. And you know what? It doesn't matter who you are or how amazing you are or how spiritual you are. Even Pastor Jason needs to have his vision corrected sometimes by God. Uh, because we sit there and we begin to function what we got, what we think God is doing or what we think is right and sometimes we function in, be, in a way that is being familiar and God can come in and correct us. So we've been thinking a lot about having God's vision and it kind of came from this verse in Hosea chapter 14 verse 9. And we mentioned this last week and I just want to kind of recap it because it functions a lot in the verse that we're going to talk about today. So it says, who is wise? And then remember, we talked about these two words that Hosea mentioned. It says, let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. And those two things right there, like Hosea is saying, there is something for us to understand, and there is something for us to know. Right? And when God mentions those kind of things in the Bible, it is like something that we should, you know, our antennas should open up. You know, our spiritual antennas, our notebooks open, and we start writing down because it's now that God is actually going to tell me something that is very important for me and how I function in my daily life. Now, in a world that is perfect, in a world that there's very little turmoil, it almost doesn't matter how I function, does it? <laughs> because everything is going hunky-dory, you know? It doesn't matter if I, if I listen to God or I don't listen to God. I can still have a decent life. But right now, we are living in a world where things aren't going the way they should. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true. So that means it is even more important that in my life, I begin to understand how God thinks in certain areas of life. You know, so I need to, under, you know, I need to know, we said last week, and then we need to understand. And last week, we said that knowledge comes from two things. It comes from my education, and it comes from my experience. Now, how much of us have been educated uh, by, how many of us have been educated by God? Amen. I mean, yeah, we raise our hand and we say amen. amen. <laughs> but listen, I mean, how many years do you spend in school? Eight hours a day for 12 years. Then you go to university. And you get a bachelor's degree, and nowadays a bachelor's degree isn't enough, so you have to go and get your master's, you know, and then you keep on going. And what is happening in the world? You are being educated by the world, which isn't bad, right? I mean, some of you have good jobs because you got a good education, praise God, right? But on the other side, there is something that I am receiving all this information, I am receiving all this knowledge and then you take that knowledge and you bring it to the workplace and it becomes your experience. Yet there is so little bits of God in my life. I mean, we come to church and I'm, I'm not saying this in a condemning way. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. 
But the truth is, we come to church and we're here and we listen to a message that is 30, 40 minutes long. And that is to be enough to drive me for the rest of the week, to fill me, to give me enough knowledge, and to give me enough experience the rest of the week to combat the devil. I mean, it's an interesting thought because in Daniel chapter 9, Gabriel comes to Daniel with a message. And it says that he was withheld by the prince of Persia. I mean, an angel was being withheld from an answer of prayer because of the devil and his enemy. And the devil's little, you know, compadres, his little friends, his little ponyos, you know, his, his people. So here I am. I am not an angel. I am not, in that sense, a spiritual being. And I come and I hear the word of God and I am educated and I experience the word of God. And I am like, is this enough? You know, and again, I don't mean in a condemning way. I mean, like, you know, but I am saying that it is true, isn't it, actually? It is true that I find myself in the middle of the week. And no matter how amazing Sunday is, I find myself that my experience can be negative. I can find myself experiencing depression, anxiety, fear. I can find myself insecure in, in my relationship with God. I can find myself insecure in my relationship uh, in the church. I can find myself so insecure because of my experience that I am having. So that is why Hosea is saying that I, I, you need to know this. You need to be educated in the ways of God. You need to be experienced the things of God. And he says that this culminates into a way that you have an understanding of who God is. Now, yesterday we were, you know, in uh, Gary and Rich's neighborhood. Fun little time. We met, his name is Larry, right? The mayor of Mount Airy. And we met the mayor of Mount Airy yesterday, Larry, sitting there having a burger. And uh, is it George who is playing all the music? Greg, I got, I was almost right. You know, playing all the music. We met, uh, you know, JP, uh, Shane, just some of the people in their neighborhood. You know, and I'm, and I'm thinking about this, that here, and I'm, I'm not, you know, lifting them up on a pedestal, but spiritually speaking, this, these are a couple of, fam- a couple, two couples that really understand who God is. It is not something that they only know and they experience, but it's something that they understand. That way they could communicate it so naturally. And as I was talking with JP, he said, last year I talked to Gary for three hours about God. And he said, my mom came up and says, are you okay? Do you need me to distract him? (laughs) And JP said, no, I'm actually enjoying this. And again, you know, just the influence and that... The reason why I'm saying that is that we become and we know something beyond uh, head knowledge, beyond a test, but it becomes a part of our life. And that is where God wants to bring us in our walk with him. So we're keeping that in the back of our mind as we think about spiritual sights. Now let's turn to Matthew, sorry, Mark chapter 5. And I want to encourage you guys, um, those of you that haven't been to Baltimore, uh, Greater Grace Church in Baltimore, um, you know, convention, if you're going to come at all, convention's a good time. 
uh, because you look around and there's not many of us, right? Some of you like that. Some of you are like, what's wrong with this church? It's so small. Maybe they're weird. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, you can have a lot of different philosophies. Uh, but do you know what? Um, when you come to Baltimore, you see that you're a part of a, the larger body of Christ. And this church specifically is, you know, uh, not this only, but it is bigger. I mean, Pastor Mike Plunkett is coming back, I believe, soon. He's a missionary in Singapore. I served with him for eight years in China. And he's, um, he's coming back, and hopefully he can come and preach. But we support him. He's a part of our life. I mean, you know, uh, Sam is in Korea. I mean, greater grace, this little church, we're in Korea. You know, we have a church in Korea, Pastor Dan Dunbar, who was my math teacher. You know, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are. I mean, uh, we are missing part of our team today because they are they are in Ecuador. <laughs> you know, it's like we are a ministry that is not only here local, but we we believe in something that is bigger. Um, so, if you're able to make it next week, at you know anytime evenings, uh, Friday evening, because you don't have to get up so early Saturday morning, maybe. Uh, but it's a great time. I think Thursday is our missions march. Oh, it's Friday, so it moves it again, right? It used to be Thursday. Okay. Okay, so Friday is our missions march. So that's where we wave flags for all the countries where we have churches. So Matthew chapter, uh, Mark chapter 5. This is an interesting verse. So here the story is, is that Jer, uh, Jarius uh, comes up to Jesus and says, you know, quick, you know, and he's a ruler in the synagogue. So he's Jewish and he's very Jewish, which is amazing. Because we look at the Bible and we see like all these Gentiles that have great faith. Uh, but here is a great example of somebody who was a ruler in the synagogue and he loved Jesus. He comes to Jesus and he says, heal my daughter. And I love what he says, actually. He says, and it says, and Jesus went with him immediately. Like immediately Jesus followed him. But Jesus was a popular guy, right? Why was Jesus popular? Yeah, he's awesome, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because right here, because he was doing miracles. So on his way to his house to heal his daughter, guess what happens? The crowd is so thick that he can't get to the house, and people are crowding, and they are pushing him. All because he does all these miracles. And this lady touches the hem of Jesus' garments, and he is healed. I mean, this is like all a side story uh, along with Jairus' daughter. And, and she is healed. And then Jesus stops and says, you know, who touched me? This whole thing is happening. And I'm just thinking about this because here is Jairus and he has this urgency in his life where he needs his daughter to be healed. Yet Jesus isn't able to get there quickly. I mean, talking about waiting on God. I mean, here I am, I, there is an urgency in my life, and I am crying out to God, and I find the answer, and the answer is Jesus, and I am bringing him by the hands, and come quickly to my house and heal my daughter, and in the midst, he is healing this person, and this person, and this person is getting healed, and he's having this conversation, and that conversation, and he goes, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus, come on, you got, it's got to happen, and the servant comes, and says, don't, don't bother, don't bother. It's too late. 
I mean, I think that is a great opportunity, like Pastor Jason was saying, that we have to wait on God. How many times have we, we know what the answer is, and we have asked God, and we have cried out to God, and we say, God, fix my problem, fix this, take care of this problem, and it's never solved. I got an email last week from a person who, uh, they feel like they're being... Um, not possessed, oppressed. They are being demonically oppressed. And they said, we, I have shouted the name Jesus over and over again, but it seems like Jesus isn't coming to my rescue. Why is this happening in my life? Why? I mean, how many of you guys have seen the series Chosen? Yeah. Isn't one of the disciples, like, handicapped? Like, he walks with a limp or something? Yeah. And one of the episodes is like, why hasn't Jesus healed you? Well, haven't you ever wondered that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here, we, here you are. You are an amazing believer. You believe God with all your hearts, yet God isn't healing you. Here is Jarius, and he is going, and he is saying to God, heal me, heal my daughter, and now it's too late. But Jesus does not stop going. See, this is the thing with God, that when we say everything is finished, that there is no more possible, that this could never happen again, we see it also with Lazarus. When it is all over, Jesus does not quit. And he goes to his house, and he says these amazing words. He says, she's not dead, she's only sleeping. <laughs> Jesus, are you an idiot? <laughs> I mean, I'm not a doctor, and I can tell that this, this girl is dead. And you know what? It's because she was dead. But look at verse 40. This is an interesting passage. It says, and they ridiculed him. This is a new King James. But when they had put all aside, he took the father and mother and the child and those who were with him. They entered where the child was, was lying. You know, here it is in verse, in verse 40. This is how they responded to Jesus' words. They laughed at him to scorn, the King James said. They laughed at him. Now, this man's daughter is dead, and they're in a room with Jesus, and Jesus says, he's basically saying, don't worry, I'm going to take care of it. And the, the girl is dead, and there is this mourning going on, and somehow everyone starts laughing. See, the way that Jesus thinks, the way that Jesus uh, speaks, Jesus' opinion we find here in this passage is very unpopular. And the world we live in today, don't we also today also find that Jesus' opinion is unpopular? That is why we need to have spiritual sights. We cannot live by what is popular. It is amazing when we live in a Christian culture where the ways of God are popular and we don't have to actually have convictions. We don't actually have to have a belief system. But now we are finding ourselves that we actually have to have a conviction and we actually have to believe what we say what we believe. Yeah. Yeah. We say that I'm a Christian. That doesn't mean anything anymore. What does that mean to you? You ask that question on the streets on a Saturday or a Sunday, what does that mean to you? And you get a whole bunch of answers. Do you know why? Because it doesn't necessarily mean that you believe in the Jesus of the Bible. It doesn't mean that you believe that Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again. It doesn't mean that you believe that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. It doesn't mean that anymore. 
Because we find in our society that people believe what is convenience. And what is convenient is what becomes popular. And you know what? As believers, we open this book and we believe it, whether it is popular or not. And sometimes that is very, very difficult. Ask the first century church who lived in catacombs. For 300 years, the first, second, third century church, they were running for their life. But they believed beyond the shadow of the doubt that Jesus was their Savior. They believed it. They didn't ridicule Jesus for his crazy belief system. They believed it. See, the world and how they respond is that it ridicules, it mocks, it scorns. And it's interesting that in the Greek it brings out that it's in the imperfect tense where it means that they laughed and they kept on laughing. (laughs) And here is this dead girl, I believe in a mother and father, weeping over the loss. And then the Son of God. Look at the scenario. I mean, can you read a room? World, hey world, can you read a room? Because... Even if Jesus was ridiculous, does that give you the right to laugh when this father's daughter is dead? Read the room. Hey, read the room, world. Jesus is is here. Jesus is here. I mean, you just followed this man and you saw him heal a woman who had an issue of blood. And before that, you saw him feed the 4,000. Before that, you saw him feed the 5,000. Before that, you saw miracle after miracle after miracle. Hey, world, can you read the room? Do you understand who is in your presence? That's why when we enter into this place today, it doesn't matter if there is 500 people here or 50 people here. That we, we as believers, we can read a room, and in the middle of worship, in the middle of prayer, in the middle of fellowship, we understand that this is a place where the presence of God is. Because we have spiritual sight. And it's not because we're high and holy, but it's because we understand and we know who God is. It's amazing because their laughing did not hinder God from doing a miracle, did it? Their laughing did not hinder God. You know, I look at what the world is saying and what we are standing for. And you know what? What the world and what it stands for is not going to stop the church. It's not going to stop. I mean, it didn't stop us during COVID. We planted this church during COVID. Ain't that right, Gary? (laughs) We were soul winning in the middle of COVID and we started a church. I mean, and you know, we, we are understanding and we're not like, don't care, don't care, don't care. But there is something that is greater because Jesus is in the room. Is COVID real? Okay, we can have the discussion. And I'm not going to be insensitive. But what I am going to say, but Jesus is here. Because he is. And he was. And that does not stop God from working. You know, we're going to go soul winning on Saturday. And we don't know what God is going to do. We're going to have a convention in a couple weeks here. And we're going to fellowship around around the, the word of God. And we're going to have a booth with Adam. And sell some food to raise money for the church. You know, and then after that we're going to have uh, VBS. 
and we're crazy. Convention, VBS, then we're going to have baseball, and then we're going to be here on Tuesday night soul winning. Do you know why? Because we believe that God is in the middle of doing something, and we're going to keep pressing on where God is. And you know what the response was? I love it. And it says in that verse, it says, verse 42, it says, Immediately the girl arose and walked, and she was 12 years old of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. The, the world, the people who did not believe, the people who could not understand, the people who did not know, the people who were not educated, the people who never experienced God, what was their response to the power of God? Greatly amazed. You know what that word means? It means that they were so shocked that their five senses no longer worked. That's what the Greek word means. I mean, how do I function? Right? I use my eyes. <laughs> If I see trouble, I go the opposite direction. If I see something shady, I understand that there is something shady. How, you know, I smell something. If I smell fire, last night we had our windows open. You know, it was a nice night out. And I smelled fire. Somebody was having a bonfire. So I, I shut the window because I don't want that smell in my house. You know, they no longer could function based on their five senses because of the power of God. That's us as believers. You know, we understand and we use this common sense that God has given us. You know, we use our eyes, we use our ears, but we use them to what? We use them to see God. We use our ears to what? To hear the voice of God. We use our nose, what? To sniff out where the Holy Spirit is. We use our touch to be sensitive towards the moving of God. Right? We use these things according to what God is. And we are, we are greatly amazed now I say all this, which is amazing, because in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we read this verse last week. Let's read this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. How does that verse go with Mark chapter 5? You know, sometimes as preachers, like, things in our brain click. But they don't necessarily click when we preach it. <laughs> Ain't that right, Pastor Gary and Pastor Jason? I'm like, how do those, you know, but do you know, let's look at this with me. Here, the Apostle Paul is saying something that is so radical because remember, he is saying it to a church that had 10, at least 10, some preachers say 35, I've heard even more major problems in the church. But there's at least 10 major problems that he's dealing with in 1st and 2nd Corinthians incest. You know, it's just one of them. I mean, that's a big problem, you know. And as churches, we deal with problems. But he is saying this. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. How do we respond to such a bold statement? Do we respond with laughter to scorn? Or do we respond with great amazement? Because it's actually the same thing. Because what is happening here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is the same thing that's happening in Mark chapter 5. Because here is a 12-year-old girl who died and then came back to life. What's happening in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 is the same exact thing. That my flesh is now dead and he says that I am a new creation. That means I have a fresh start. 
I have a fresh start. There is a new beginning of life in my life today. And I could respond to that with ridicule. I mean, are you kidding me, God? Look at what this person has done. Look at what this person has done. They are a sinner, and they have to repay their debt. They have to repay for their sin. They have to prove that they are sorry. They have to prove that they are actually have repented. Do you know what? Nobody has to, you know, I don't have to prove to you, Peter, that I have repented. Because in, in, in Psalm chapter 51, I have sinned only before God. And my repentance is before God. You don't know what's in my heart. I don't know what's in your heart. And that is why Paul is saying that you are a new creation. And he, this is amazing because now I have a fresh start. Then he says old things are, are passed away. And that means they have passed. And they can never come back to haunt you. Not like last night's you know, pepperoni pizza. You ate too late at night and gave you funny dreams. Or the Thai food you ate that was too spicy. You know, there are things that happen in our life and they come back and they haunt us, don't they? How many of you ever think about a sin that you committed 10 years ago? Yeah, isn't it funny? I mean, it's not funny, but it's funny. That those things, I mean, and, and you, have, you don't touch that anymore. Like, you know, the Grinch, you don't touch the 10-foot pole. You don't touch that. You're so far away from that. But it's amazing how it comes back to you when you are alone. And it haunts you. And what is Satan trying to do? He's trying to bring the past up to say something that you are no longer worthy. You are not worthy to be called a child of God. You are not worthy to be, you know, a clean. You are not worthy to enter into heaven. You are not worthy of grace. And you know what I say? I say amen. Because <laughs> we're not... And that is the message of the gospel, that I have a fresh start that has started because of the work of Christ. So when Satan brings up my past, something that happened years ago that is no longer a part of my life, I could say, amen, or I could ridicule the work of God in my life. But look what it says. I mean, it's amazing. I, I love how the writers of the Bible, they did this. He says, you, know, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. That word new is mentioned again. Because it doesn't matter who we are or what we do or how mature we are in Christ. We, are, we have a fresh start. The old things have passed. They're already gone. But they keep coming back, don't they, somehow? And it's not the work of God. It's like our own psyche. It's the work of the devil. You know, it is coming back, and it's coming back, and it comes back. And that's because we always need to be reaffirmed that all things have become new. And you know what that word in the Greek means? It means they have become new, and it's here to stay. It is here to stay. The work of Christ in your life isn't something that has come and it has started and it's going to be gone. It is here to stay by the grace of God. So we look at Mark chapter 5 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and Hosea chapter 14. What do we see? We see that there is something that I need to know 
that something I need to understand, and there's something that I should not be ridiculing. And that is the fact that in my life, despite my emotions, despite my flesh, despite my old sin nature, that there is something new that is happening in my life, and it is apart from me, and it is the work of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 6, verse 15, and he is re- re- renewing us in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. It is a work of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. So I can get up in the morning and I can have that Selah moment and I can get up and I can say, praise God, that there is something new in my life. That now I can have a new start. Last night was terrible. This morning, actually, you know, we have church in the afternoon. Sometimes you have a terrible morning before you come to church. Does that happen to anybody? Anybody fight with your kids before you come to church? Yeah. Why are you guys laughing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it happens. We fight with our spouse before we come to church. We fight with our car before we come to church. We fight with ourselves. Do I even want to go to church? I mean, there's a lot of time. I don't I mean, there's a lot of time to fight with yourself, you know, between whatever time you get up and 3.30. You get that whole entire time to fight with yourself. You want to come or not? But do you know what? It doesn't matter. Because you have a fresh start, and that fresh start is here to stay. And you know what? The world ridicules. Like, do you know what they have done? Do you know their past? And I say, and God is like, yeah, I know, but I don't know them that way. Because in verse 16, we know no man after the flesh, right? That's the other uh, spiritual uh, sight that we have. Is how do I know myself? Verse 17, I know myself. I experience myself. I'm educated about myself. I understand myself according to the fresh start that I have in Christ. How do I know you? How, how do I experience you? How do I understand you? I know you after Christ. I know myself in Christ. I know you in Christ. Why? Because God's work, the work of Jesus, is not ridiculous. It is amazing. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this afternoon. Thank you for the message. Um, yeah. We just thank you for what you're doing and who you are in this place. And we just ask that you will help us, that you will encourage us, teach us to wait, as we heard from Pastor Jason. And teach us also how to look at ourselves, Lord. We are so thankful that we have a fresh start. We just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.